Oh, Fernando. We're back. We're back. It's above the break. Episode 40. The NBA is back, baby. As always, this is Nevin Brown, and I'm joined by James Piercy. James Piercy, the the champion of the Bruno Fernando fan club. Let's I go. Mean, hey, James, that haircut, it's looking its looking fresh. How many oh, cool. days old is it? How many do- days old is that? Three, three days old. Three days old. It's still looking fresh, you know? So, like, when, when, you, when you get in the re-up, when, 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 when you getting shaped up again? When am I getting a haircut again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, three, four, five months from now. So I love it. I love it. That's a typical, typical white dude nonsense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We, uh, we're back. The NBA season is back. We are hoping to get some uh, stuff out before this, but you know, life happens. Things happen. It's all good. Games have already been played. So we're going to be talking about, you know, Things we're looking forward to this season, maybe some kind of like, you know, awards, awardsy pick stuff. Not the most timely, but, you know, punctuality. This is not a podcast about punctuality. This is a podcast about truth, about data, about heart, about soul, about blood, about sweat, about tears, but mostly about basketball. Okay. Before we get into all that fun stuff. Okay. James. I don't know how good you are at your job, but I'd be willing to bet you're pretty good. Now, imagine if you were not very good at your job. Probably substantially worse than you were already. And then imagine if your boss came to you and said, James, we need to talk about your performance. You're probably thinking, fuck, unemployment, here I come. And then your boss says, we love it. We want four more years, like you're some president, American presidential candidate. And then they say, we're probably going to throw in a little extra money because you've done so good. What would your reaction be? Would you be like, am I dreaming? Um, did you, or are you thinking, did I like do sexual favors without remembering it? Are those being blocked out? What would your like, response be? I guess I guess I would think to myself, am I suddenly Rob Palenka and I didn't realize? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. And that's the news. Rob Palenka was given an extension to 2026 by the Lakers. There's all these player extensions that we were going to talk about if we had gotten this podcast gotten this podcast earlier. It's old news. Fuck it. But this old news, I cannot drop. <laughs> Rob Palenka got an extension to 2026. So, James, what's the, what's the best move Rob Palenka actually managed to accomplish thus far as the Lakers GM? Well, I guess it would have to be bringing LeBron and Anthony Davis into the fold, right? He didn't bring LeBron. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was the was running the team when LeBron decided to sign. So that he one was. doesn't count. He was, yes. Yeah, okay. And then he All said, right. I'm not going to be here anymore. So did Palenka do the AD trade? I'm getting the timeline. Yeah, he must have. Yes. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he was the GM when they did the, the AD trade where they gave up Lonzo Ball. The former number two overall pick, Brandon Ingram, former number two overall pick, both players who've been quite good. The number four overall pick, Josh Hart, who's become a really good NBA player, and then a bunch of draft picks that now, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, could be in 
incredibly valuable because I'm yeah pretty... one of them is one of them is already Dyson Daniels yes uh, so he did that trade he did he did that yeah. trade which with like you know they they got AD in a championship would you say that was a good trade though it's tough like generally as a rule my thinking is championship equals good like if you won a championship then you did the thing you you accomplished the goal that all the GMs are trying to accomplish right but like this trade really tests the limits of that theory though doesn't it like they suck now and they have no draft capital and they sent out like an all-star and and two high-end role players and and what four draft picks or something you know all well, so far it's been i think i think it's been so far two top 10 picks yeah that's <laughs> rough man that's rough and you know you know the thing is like it's it's the marginal moves that have really sunk Palenka though. Like he kept Horton Tucker and any any let Caruso go. Like why don't they have Alex Caruso? Why is he not on this team? You know, no one knows. I mean, I'll say this: I actually have a I have an idea why. The Lakers for all of, for whenever people bitch and moan about how much oh the Lakers it's unfair, they're like you know they're too big they have too much money. That's not true. The Lakers are like kind of a broke franchise. Yes, the franchise generates a ton of revenue, but their problem is is that the people that own the Lakers, that's that's it. That's like all of the money they have. Like if the Lakers turn a profit, that's money for them. If the Lakers don't turn a profit, they don't have money. So like most of the ownership groups, it's like, oh, well, as long as the franchise keeps increasing in value, this is a great investment, but like the Lakers, because the owners are little broke, broke boys, uh, the bus family, like this is what they have. So it's like, not only are the Lakers like an asset for them, it's also like they're the business that's generating their familiar wealth. And like Steve Ballmer, he makes however many millions of dollars a year from Microsoft stock dividends. Like he doesn't care if he, you know, breaks even with the Clippers because the, the franchise is getting more valuable. Ergo, he's generating more wealth. So the Lakers, I think, don't have Caruso because they're poor, which is so much fun to say. It's just <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so so I guess that makes Palenka's job a little bit harder. But, like, the, you know, the thing is, I, I, I would say this. They've won a championship while he was the general manager, and so often one would default to thinking that's a good that, – that means he's done a good job, you know? But the reality is that, like, it was magic that brought LeBron in, but even had it been Palinka, you don't really get a whole lot of credit for bringing LeBron James in, right? It's like, it's pretty much a no-brainer. And then LeBron pretty much runs the show from there. So, I mean, he wanted AD and he got AD. Like, the point is that Palinka has screwed up virtually every decision that would have actually required any thought that's happened during his tenure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, but think about, like, this is, like, one thing that people don't bring up. Like, I don't know how this dude gets an extension. He, he... And that team, under his leadership, they offered Dennis Schroeder like a four-year, like eighty-something million-dollar yeah. contract, which he like mercifully, uh, like unfortunately for him, but like he declined that because he thought he could get more money. Like, if Dennis Schroeder said yes to that deal, maybe like the Lakers are in like a better spot because they wouldn't have been able to go after Russell Westbrook. But like we talk about that, offering Dennis Schroeder that contract was a bad idea. They got lucky. Right, it's similar with like the Rockets off, off offering Victor Oladipo that extension that he said no to. Yeah. Which I wrote an article about saying how Victor Oladipo really fucked up there. 
And I will bring that up every time because I was right. And when I'm right, I remind everyone. And when I'm wrong, I make excuses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let me say this too. Maybe the biggest indictment on Palinka is the Westbrook trade, right? Like, I feel like the whole basketball watching world was like, well, you can't really play Westbrook with LeBron James because LeBron James is the best on-ball playmaker in the league, and so you should have guys that can shoot alongside him. Like, it's not complicated. It's not This is not high-level basketball stuff, you know? Like, this is not X's and O's. It's just like, when you have LeBron, you get guys that can shoot. Palenko is like, let's go get the one guy that can't shoot, you know? Like, let's, let's go get the one guy that would probably be the worst fit for LeBron in the whole league, you know? Yeah. And then, and then Simmons, I, Ben Simmons could probably he could just be a pick and roll finisher or something. There'd be something. Westbrook might be the single worst fit with LeBron in the NBA. The other issue with the Westbrook trade is it gutted their roster. And there's two ways to build a super like a, a championship team, really. It's like you have two superstars and great depth, which is how the Lakers won a championship because they had like really good role players that made sense next to their stars. And then there's the other way where you just have three stars and like you try to like you scrounge for the depth, but the power of having three super players makes the role players play up. You know, like they thought Westbrook was like that that third super friend, but like as you said, he probably wasn't going to be a super friend next to LeBron. Like or regardless. next to AD for that matter. It's like or next like you understand the shooting's part of basketball, right? Like yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. And there's like, there's that whole thing. And then there's also the fact that like Westbrook was like obviously in decline. But I think like the dumbest part about it is like, once you made that trade, you basically killed your flexibility to make any real moves afterwards. Cause he's taken up like 46 to 47 million in salary cap space. So like, you can't add guys. He's also like not a contract that like teams will be like, okay, like we'll just take that on. Here's like another bad contract that we don't really want. Like you have to find a team with like $45 million worth of bad contracts. And it's just like, it's rare for a team to like have fucked up that badly twice. If you're trying to get two players or you have to give up draft picks. So he's in a position where basically he's going to surrender the very few draft kit picks that they have left just to bring in miles Turner and buddy healed. Like those are both good players and I like the fit, but it's like, they're just they're sunk for draft capital for the next like decades to, to put yeah. together this team you know let's let's, yeah. let's move on yeah i don't know how he got this my theory very to sum it up is my theory is is that lebron and ad pushed for russ and he he acquiesced the, the organization said okay fine and then when that shit did poorly palenka stood his ground taking the bullets for the organization. You said, we're not giving up those draft picks. We're not paying the luxury tax. Like we're not, or like we're paying as much of the luxury tax. We're not doing all these things. And so he's just basically operating kind of as this guy who's the middleman between the perception of the Lakers as a franchise and the reality. Um, And so in that case, you know, like he did a good job. Like he hasn't, you know, given up those picks. They haven't been, you know, spending a crazy, crazy amount. But like most GMs get extended when their team like is clearly on the upswing and isn't potentially going to be the biggest disappointment in the league for the second year running. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even the Nets made the playoffs and like as much as they've been a disappointment, there's like real fucking excuse. Like there's like a real big, crazy excuse that like no one could have foreseen when they built that team called a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. And an anti-vaxxer. 
Yeah, who, who could have known? That's like that's gonna be like the new thing in con. It's like yeah, like this dude's contract contains interesting language where if a vaccine is um, mandated for him to perform his duties, he is obligated to take it or else he forfeits all of the earnings the team has given him. Um, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I fuck, I would do that. Um, Brad Beal's anti-vaxxer and he got, you know, 250 million guaranteed with an, with a no trade clause and an opt out. So, um, you know, maybe there's an anti-vax, maybe there's a vax clause, you know? Yeah. A vax clause. Okay. James, before we jump in these fun awards, you, anything from you've watched early on, that's not in rockets related of basketball that caught your eye that you just want to like, you know, let the viewers know that you are a generational basketball mind. I watched uh, I watched the season opener the the Celtics and the Sixers right. Oh, yeah. I am pretty intrigued about the dynamics on 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 this Philly team, right? Uh, Harden looks good. I didn't catch last night's game, but I understand that he looked really good, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, he's still to me in game one in the first game he still looked very isolation heavy and like like he was playing his old his. Typical Harden ball, right? I, I expected to see him transition into more of a facilitating role this year, and maybe, maybe you know, cook in ISO down the stretch when 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 it was needed, kind of thing. I don't know if he's just gonna be able to play like D'Antoni ball all season and maximize Embiid and Maxi for that matter. That's something I'm gonna be keeping an eye on this year. Is like, because it, it, it seemed like Harden was willing and ready to. Okay, let me let me start over. There are almost two different James Hardens, right? Like there's there's the point guard and there's the pure off guard. Like he can really he can kind of alternate between those two styles of play, right? I, I would have thought that the more point guard minded Harden would be a better fit alongside Embiid. Uh and it looks like we're yeah. getting ISO Harden. Well, the thing I'll say that's interesting is that like I completely agree with like Harden's looked really good. He does seem to be doing kind of like the ISO, you know, back to like the Houston stuff. Embiid has been like literal garbage the first two yeah. games. And like that's if Embiid isn't top 10 player in the league, like this Philly team's not going anywhere. No. Um, and he's not looked like a top 10 player these first two games, super early, all this, you know, new players, all this stuff. But like part of me wonders is like, was Harden just doing that because Embiid was struggling and so it was one of those things where it's just like well we need to generate offense this is how I generate offense when I'm not you know setting Embiid up I do agree that like I love Philly's Philly's roster on paper makes so much sense but then when you watch it out there you just I, I just go this team needs a connective passer like every single player when they get the ball is going to it, outside of PJ Tucker, who's just going to catch and shoot, right? Like he's just going to catch and shoot. Every other guy wants to touch the ball and dribble before they shoot. Yeah. And like Tobias Harris had some moments where he just caught and sh shot and like, that's good. But it's like, they still need a guy who's like willing to catch it and fucking pass it right away, have the ball move, create small marginal advantages. And like, they just don't have that. And I think it's going to be an issue where it's like, Embiid's probably not going to get the touches he needs unless he's working in a pick and roll with Harden. And like, he likes to get, you know, his touches in the post. And it's like, I, I think this 
this team is going to take a little bit longer, I think, to get the offense sorted out. But like personally, I would move Maxi to the bench. Give that bench like serious. I mean, dude, if you spam no, I actually agree. Pe- pick and roll between Kyrie's fucking Maxi and Montrez Harrell, their second unit will have an offensive rating of 197 points because th- like there is no second unit defense that's stopping that shit. I, no, I agree. I, that makes that makes total sense. I just yeah. there is that aspect of like Maxi might just be too good to bench. Like like in theory. If none of these guys had egos, you know, and and they were chess oh, pieces, no. it, it would make absolute perfect sense. But you just Max, you just turn Max, him into Manu. Go, what's that? You just turn him into Manu. You say, look, we're like you're coming yeah, off the Manu bench was, to start. Manu was a pretty egoless guy. I know, right? but you you go look at Max and you say, you don't like Maxi. We love you so much. We need you to keep this second unit afloat. We need this so like we can get Embiid and Harden the touches and the looks they need. In the, early in the game to get them going, this gives you the chance to showcase your ability to run an offense, which is good for you, and it gets you more touches when you're on the court. And then in crunch time, you're going to be out there like you're a starter that we need to make to be on the bench to start games to get make this whole this whole meal come together. And like that's how you sell it to these guys. You're saying like you're not we're not benching you because you're not as good as someone else. We're benching you because you're actually fucking amazing. And we we think you on the bench is like such a game changer for us that like we're gonna do it, and you're still gonna get those starter type minutes. But I don't know if Doc Rivers has heard that like you don't need to play your five best players in your starting lineup yeah, in your next five best players. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move off of talking about the Sixers. Let's just go into some of these things because we went on a long time. But that was good content, James. Good content. Good content. Also, Embiid. Embiid. I, I can't wait for Embiid to be like, uh, be complaining about how he's not getting enough MVP support. Yeah, I mean, look. Also, like, let's be real. The 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 fucking Sixers played like a pretty brutal opening first two games. Celtics yeah. and Bucks, like the two teams people think are going to come out of the East, yeah. and then the Sixers. So, but yeah. I mean, they got to beat those teams if they're going to accomplish their goals this season too. So, you know. Well, I mean, if you look, this is a Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers coach team, a James Harden team, a Joel Embiid team, and a Daryl Morey team. Their goal is to be a disappointment in the playoffs because you don't bring <laughs> yeah. those four people together if you're trying to be successful in the playoffs. Shots fired. Okay. <laughs> so I like I like most of these guys. I'm just same, I'm but just, facts are facts. Yeah. I mean, you know, check the receipts. Okay. Let's talk about some of the what we're most excited for in this upcoming NBA season. So let's just kick it off with the teams. James, on this sheet, I asked, where are the three teams you're most interested in? I have my list. We'll see if we line up on all three. I hope not. Or if, you know, there's a little bit of crossover so we don't have to talk about six different teams. Yeah, man. I got my eye on three teams this year, uh, two of which kind of have obvious reasons. And one of which, spoiler alert, we already talked about uh, through the episode. So Ooh. I'll give you, I'll give them to you. I'm looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's on my list. I like it. Okay. The Atlanta Hawks. Not on my list, but I also like that one. And the Lakers. Uh, and the, all right. One crossover. I love it. All right. So I love it. the Timberwolves. I'm, su- I'm assuming we have the same uh, thinking. It's that they were curious to see the Twin Towers look and, and see if that really is viable and whether it works. I'm not very optimistic about it. We've talked about this before. Uh, I'll just give my rundown, basically. Uh, in simple terms, 
I'm extremely dubious that Carl Anthony Towns can defend the four. Seems to me that the four is an increasingly perimeter perimeter oriented position. Offensively, of course he can play the four. You know, he's going to be one of the best shooting fours in the NBA and he can bully guys who, you know, when the shot's not going or whatever, like, yeah, that's not going to be a problem. I, I don't know if he's the right guy to be closing out three-point attempts and to be chasing guys around the perimeter. I think he's going to get burned by a lot of the league's fours. I, I'm not, I have a feeling they're going to end up staggering them and they're going to have to be choosing between offense and defense at various times. And I'm, I'm just not like, yeah, I think they will be a good regular season team. I think they'll win 50 yes. games and everything. Yeah. I just think that there's a very limited <laughs> ceiling. There's a no. very clear limited ceiling. I get your, I get your concerns like against like a really good team in a seven game series where it's just like, if they figure out, Oh, like they can't have Carl Anthony towns and Rudy Gobert out at the same time. If we do this, I also think that like in the regular season, they're going to be sick. And the thing I'm most interested about them really is I want to, I want to see like how the rotations, you know, end up handing out because if, if I'm, if I'm them, I'm like, look like, yeah, we run these two guys at center for, you know, to start the game and maybe end the game. But the in-between time I'm thinking like go bear with D'Lo, like that pick and roll combination with some guys on the perimeter that can shoot. That like right there, I think is like can lead to like really efficient offense because Delo's never had a guy like Gobert to set like you know set screens and and rim run like that. And Delo's like he's got like really good you know passing in the pick and roll. He's just, he just hasn't really had a guy like Gobert ever in his career. And I think if you then have um, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns kind of as like your second you know guard slash center lineup. Like you get like 48 minutes of like a big small combination that makes so much sense that like I agree, like regular season, like I think they can blow by 50 wins if like it all comes together. But I do agree that like I wouldn't be surprised if this team like their crunch time numbers aren't great and then they get ousted in the second round or even the first round of the playoffs, depending on where they finish with the seed. But like, you know, if they ball out. And they get like, you know, a one or two seed. Maybe that means they get to play like, you know, the Timberwolves or not the Timberwolves. They get to play the Timberwolves <laughs> get to play like, you know, the Timberwolves. They play themselves in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. But they get to play the Portland Trailblazers or like the fucking Lakers in the first round because like, you know, they sneak in through the play in. And then like, that's a second round playoff series. And if you're the Timberwolves, like, I'm sorry that like, that's like a huge success for yeah. this franchise. And like, I'm totally cool with different franchises having different measures of success. And like, that's one reason why I'm interested in it because it's like, I'm glad some teams like winning a championship isn't the end all be all because like, you know, only one team gets to win a championship. Like, you know, it, it's nice when fans can be happy from a really good season that didn't end up with the championship. So there's not enough of that in the NBA. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me, let me just touch on the other two teams on my list and then I'll hear oh, the yeah. other two teams on your list. The yeah. Hawks, Similarly, traded a whole bunch of draft capital for a star, and I'm not sure how viable the pairing is with their other star. Uh, well, well, it looked okay. It looked well. Okay. Yeah, they beat the, they beat the world beating Houston Rockets in game one. That was that was impressive. They're going to uh, be competitive. Who the Rockets or the Hawks? The, the Rockets. No, it's like you know, like all teams like in the preseason before the season starts, they're like, yeah, like we're making the playoffs, championship or bust. Rockets are like, we just want teams to be like. They're we're competitive. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was a hard night. Yeah, that was that was a hard win. <laughs> um, 
tonight. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't see when they're playing good teams. Like, I don't necessarily see how, like, Dejounte Murray doesn't really offer a whole lot of off-ball value. I guess Trey is just gonna be the off guard, but it just seems like a misallocation of resources to me to put Trey Young off the ball. You know, so I, I, I just don't love it. But I'm curious to see how it works. I will say this: Dejounte Murray is like offensively, I agree. There, maybe it's like you know not perfect. But this is a team that had, like, what, the number one or two, I think number one rated offense last year. So, like, let's say this pairing causes them to drop to seven. That's a pretty big drop-off. You don't want to go from one to seven. But if it takes their defense from, like, I think there was, like, bottom five to, like, league average-ish, maybe, yeah. like, that Maybe that boosts your net rating enough that, like, it's okay. Um, I agree they're super interesting. Um, they both had, what, 10-plus assists in the opening in the opening game against uh, the Rockets. So maybe it's like, Hey, like there's enough playmaking between the two of them that like it, it's, it's going to be fine. And I, I'll be really interested to see once uh, Bogdanovich comes back. Cause he wasn't there opening night. If Bogdanovich comes back, looks healthy and he shoots the lights out. Like you could have like, imagine just like playing small, playing fast where you're like, hella sit the fuck down. It's Okongwu time. Okongwu at the five. John Collins at the four. Uh, Bogdan, or is it? It's Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trey Young, and fucking DeJounte Murray out there saying, like, we're going to just go play fast. We're going to, you know, slang shit up. Like, we're going to be doing all sorts of crazy shit. Hey, maybe that, you know, maybe it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, those lineups are a little bit intriguing, although it's kind of three-out spacing. Like, I'll say this. If, if Murray could have a career year from deep. They could be excellent, right? I just, yeah. Like, if, if he can shoot even, say, 34 or 5% from deep. That'd be then huge. They, yeah, it'd be huge. Then this could be, like, a, a serious, like, like Eastern Conference sleeper, you know? Like, like a conference finalist. Like if, okay, so so what's your kind of, like, what's your ceiling for the, what you think of, like, as their wins? And then I guess what's their what's their floor like? Kind of where like you see like their most likely outcomes is it between like forty and fifty five wins, or is it like lower I was than say that? Forty even? and fifty. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Like if they win less than forty games, that's a that's a disaster. Because oh they yeah. Just moved three first round picks, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's hard to imagine it, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, they also gave DeAndre Hunter that big ass extension. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he needs to earn that too, right? He hasn't really played up to that. Level he hasn't really played. So I think like, that's the big issue with him. He's yeah. like, I think he's played 130 games or something nuts over his first three seasons. It's like but I, I don't think defensive metrics have really smiled on him so far, and he was supposed to be a three and D. Now there's always noise in that, right? Uh, in so far as like he's spent his whole career with Trey Young, and that might not help anything yeah, too much. It does not help. It does not help. Yeah, yeah. No, I always think he looks like a solid sound defender when i watch the hawks so we'll see i i didn't really love or hate that extension i feel like it kind of got some hate on social media but I, I need to see how it looks with with like a point of attack defender now and they have a rim protector now like like they should be a formidable defense even in spite of having trey young i would think everybody else in the star lineup is a good defender yeah yeah I, and i think like that's kind of what you have to do I, I i think they're a good pick to be an intriguing team they're a team that like I want to watch. And like, here's the thing. If they bring in DeJounte Murray and like their offensive rating is still in the top five, then like that trade was like a massive win. Like I just, there is no way that like, that's, that's what you want. And fuck, if they can keep it number one, which I seriously doubt, then we're going to look 
we're going to kind of look dumb. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we didn't take a hard line. Like, I'm not saying the Hawks are going to stink. I'm just saying, like, to me, it's – I immediately have the question – yeah, they got the best on-ball playmaker, one of the five best on-ball playmakers in the NBA, and they go get a bad off-ball guy. You know, I'm like, we'll see. Uh, quickly, the Lakers, I just want to see how long they can crash and burn before they trade for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. That's the only reason I put them on my list. Well, they're what? They're 0-2. Um, I watched the game last night. Westbrook did not hit a shot. I will say, like, he did not hit a shot. That is obviously not good. Even for as bad of a shooter that he is, like that is unlikely to happen frequently. Um, so that's it's good that it probably the shooting liter statistically literally cannot get worse. <laughs> yeah. It can be equaled, but it cannot get worse than this. So like, there's that. That's an optimistic view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glass half full. Glass half full. Um, but he he really he like tried on defense in a way that he was not trying last season. So that's an encouraging sign, except I feel like we kind of agree that like maybe it would be better if like Westbrook like really wasn't giving a fuck and they kind of like he was forcing their hand to make a move because him trying on defense, him having like one good game is going to like make everyone think that, oh, this 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 trio can really work and it's just going to drag it out longer and they're going to be more mediocre for longer than they should. You know, sometimes you just want shit to hit the fan. It's like, you know, yeah. the shit is in the kitchen. You know it's in the kitchen, but it's you're waiting for it to hit the fan. Yeah. It's like, it's just, you want it to hit the fan, so you have to make the, you have to, you know, clean up the shit, right? Yeah. Like, and I think yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it's the, there anyway. Who, who, yeah. who are your other two teams? My other two teams, so my Timberwolves are my third team, and the team I'm second most interested in, Cavaliers. Like, yeah. they lost to Toronto, granted, Darius Garland got an eye injury in like the first quarter. I just want to see, I just want to see how this works. The, like the two small point guard, two mobile defensive anchor five lineup. I just want to see how it works. Um, and I'm like, I think it is going to work. I don't know if like they're going to be quite as good as people thought right after the trade, just because I think the East has is so good, so deep. They have questions at the small forward spot. Their depth isn't great until Ricky Rubio comes back. But I just, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I'm high on Evan Mobley. I like Jared Allen. I like Darius Garland. I think, like, this is the right offensive role and load for Donovan Mitchell. So, like, I just I just think this team could be a lot of fun, and I think they're going to be – like, I just want to watch him play. I just want to see how this plays out because I like when these mid-market, small-market teams say, fuck it, like, like let's go get, let's go all in. And they went all in and they got Donovan Mitchell. And, like, no one, I don't think he was on, anyone saw that as, like, a likely trade. No. Dude, this is probably the most exciting Cavaliers team that didn't have LeBron James on it ever, maybe. Maybe they were really, ever. They were, they were really good in the late '80s, early mid '90s. Uh, were they really good. I know they had Mark Price. He was a hell of a point guard. They but, they, uh, they they were good. They were really they made the good. playoffs. I think they were more than just making the playoffs. I'm pretty sure those those Cavs teams were like 50 plus win teams. Uh, not out. every year, but like Mark Price, that dude, he's like the OG fucking Steve Nash before people understood yeah. analytics. Yeah. Yeah, he's so underrated. Like his, I, I, I mean, I haven't watched him play a ton. I'm, I'm not that old, but like, 
the the statistics are amazing. So yeah. you're basically right. They won 50 games two years in a row, uh, 91, 92, and 92, 93. They made the conference finals in 91, 92. So what I said isn't strictly true. They won 57 games in 88, 89 as well. But it's close enough to being true that it's kind of funny. That's you know fucking what I mean? 30 like, years ago. I mean, that's fucking 30 years ago. Like, yeah, you're exactly. right. It's the most exciting yeah. non-LeBron Cavs team in 30 fucking years. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's that's something, right? So It's uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I really like about the structure of this team uh, is that they run the dual bigs, and that can cover for the small backcourt. Right, typically a small backcourt is, is is can be a significant problem for a team. But Evan Mobley is so mobile and and versatile of a defender that he can cover a lot of ground for them, especially when the interior is already covered. Right, so because they have Jared Allen in, in drop coverage and he's such a great rim protector, so they can probably actually afford the small backcourt. And the offensive advantages of, of Garland and Mitchell are just obvious. I I do think. That whole the small forward spot is is their biggest problem right now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of obvious, right? It's just like they don't have the they don't quite have the front court versatility that you're looking for in a contender to where like some teams might be able to punish them for going big and they they aren't able to really put out a new lineup where they go smaller, you know. So that's that's something I would keep an eye on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, look, it's I'm not expecting to be a championship contender. I just want to see how good this this type of roster construction really really can be and i also want to see karis lavert not start ever yeah ever again uh, don't don't Great. start him karis lavert i don't understand like there's just some players that are just obviously so good at basketball but are bad yeah that's why this guy's like literally 28 and people still talk about his potential like oh he's got potential and like He's damn near out of his athletic prime man like like he's, he's this guy's going to be 34 i swear to god and he's gonna have a good game, and somebody's gonna go, man. Levert still has upside, you know. It just it never ends. Who 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 who's your last team? You know who it is, the, the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. The, I mean, look, I know they got shellacked by Utah on opening night, which I was kind of surprised about. But yeah. then when you look at Utah's roster, you're like, oh, like Utah's actually gonna do this to some good teams because they have like eight or nine good. NBA players who are like you going to be killing the Nuggets though. Yes, but they you know this is a team that's good three point shooters and they had a hot three point shooting night. Like that's how you can like beat teams you supposedly shouldn't be able to beat. I think that's basically what happened here. I also think that like the Nuggets, you know, are going to take a little bit of time just because they're reintegrating two really high end players that like haven't played forever. Um, so I'm not freaking out about the Nuggets. Um, but like, look. Jokic is my dude. He's he game one. He was he was that dude. Like Jokic just goes out there and produces. And Michael Porter Jr. He looked good in terms of the shooting. Um, Jamal Murray, I think, is going to take a little bit more time just because of the type of player that he is. Aaron Gordon, Jokic, the chemistry looks really good. Um, KCP didn't have a great shooting night, but like you know, he makes a ton of sense. Bones Highland is an interesting player. Granted, like I don't love him as the backup point guard just because he seems like he's going to shoot he's going to shoot them in and out of games too frequently where you kind of want with a team with a starting lineup this good 
to like have like a, a second unit point guard that's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna fuck this up ever. Yeah, and totally, maybe totally. maybe I bump it up, but it's like you really don't want your second unit fucking shit up. Um, I think once again, like the like the plus minus with Jokic on the court and off the court was just absurd. I I don't understand. Also, DeAndre Jordan, like I'm just gonna say this, I'm super interested in the Nuggets, but I'm super uninterested in DeAndre Jordan playing another fucking minute for an NBA team that's not actively tanking. How does this man keep getting on good teams with fucking championship aspirations only for him to absolutely tank their chances in the six? He's out there six minutes and he's like minus 32. I'm just like, I didn't even know that was fucking possible in six minutes. I'm I'm campaigning to get DeAndre Jordan on to a team that is actively trying to lose games. Like it's hometown Houston Rockets, baby. Yes. L- let me let me say in. real the, tank the, commander. The only reason that I didn't include Denver or probably several teams like Denver is that I'm just confident that they're, they're going to be really good. So like yeah. I'm not like interested to see it. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I look yeah. forward. I'm, I'm excited to see it, but th- that's a distinction, right? Uh, yeah. I love the Caldwell Pope edition, man. That it's just so sensible. It just exactly the player they needed look look, i'm just saying i think the nuggets are going to be good i was bullish on them being really really good like i was like this team can win 60 games they're not you know they're they're on pace to go 0 and 82 but um hey let's remember you know phoenix started last season one and three they think they won what 64 games yep nuggets you're gonna start 0 and 1 and go 81 and 1 so you know that's why they're gonna be interesting all right this next one, this won't be quicker. Three young cores you're buying stock in that aren't the fucking Houston Rockets because one, we'll talk about them, but two, let's be real, like, you know, that's a homer take. No homer takes on above the break until we get to the homer section of the podcast. Now, so in terms of rebuilding teams, I would pick the Rockets objectively. But, I would too. But, but young just, cores is a different thing. Yeah. All right, so... I went with the Pelicans first. Okay, that, I have that them. has to qualify as a young core, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have them yeah. as my third one. I'm buying stock in. Okay, and then I had the Cavs. Uh, th- I think that should also qualify as a young core, right? I, I didn't pick them just because. Uh, I feel like personally, I felt like Allen and um, Mitchell are a little bit older, but I How yeah, Allen is twenty three. I think he's twenty. Or maybe is 25? he okay? I, I, mean, I look at I look at it as like under twenty five. He still counts as because McCollum's yeah. is not young either. So yeah, young yeah. core can be a little bit nebulous, right? Let's agree yeah. on that. It can be, yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not like you know. There's no fucking. There's not like a hard and fast rules and like you broke your contract and I'm gonna sue you. No, but I mean, I guess if I said Lakers, it'd be like you. I, I want you to start taking the podcast seriously, you know? But, yes, yes, uh, yeah. yes. Uh, my last one though is actually a rebuilding team, and it's the Orlando Magic. Yeah, who, they're number one for me. Yeah, I really like what they're doing. I don't think they're going to be great this year or anything. No, they're not going to be probably even good. But they have a lot of big playmakers, and that's kind of the way the league is going. And there are a lot of things that make sense structurally, right? Like like Carter Jr., Jr., Bancaro, Franz Wagner. That's probably the front court of the future. Now now they need guards that can shoot. I think that's the next step, right? Uh, maybe they keep one of Suggs, Anthony, or Fultz, but then they need an off guard that like just can straight up shoot the ball, no questions asked, you know? But yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with this team, man. I, I love Orlando's young core predominantly because they have 
a depth, like such depth of good, interesting young players. Like if Jonathan Isaac comes back and is healthy and looks good, that's another dude. Um, I think Mo Bamba, people around the league in a trade would still be interested in him. And he's on like a, a really good contract. Um, Jalen Suggs, game one. Yeah. Fucking lit it up from three point range. If like he's just a like his defense last season was real. Like I know his offense was fucking horrible. And, you know, he got a lot of shit for, you know, people thought he should have been the fourth overall pick. He went five. And like everyone was like, this dude should have went 67th. There's yeah, 967 yeah. picks. But like his defense was legit really good last season. And like, you know, you know, you know, I love defense. I know you love defense. If he's like a 34 to 35% three point shooter this season, with like his ability, his 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 athleticism and his defense, that's like a re- like you're like oh shit like we didn't fuck up at the fifth pick, we got Agreed. we got our we got ourselves a good player. Um, I I, I think Markel Fultz when he cuts back from that toe injury, I think he's going to be really interesting. I think Cole Anthony's like you know not good, but he's a really good six man type. So like they just have a ton of players, and that's where I've been buying stock in. I'm like I don't think all of them are going to work. Franz Wagner is great. I think Paul Bancaro will be an all star caliber player. Wendell Carter Jr. I think will be kind of that like sub right below that all-star caliber place, maybe like get one because of like an injury or something, one year or two years. But like they're in this position where it's like if they want someone down the line, they have their picks, they have Chicago's picks coming in too. Um, they still have yeah. one more there. And if they have some Nuggets picks picks coming in, like I'm sorry, but like this young core is like already like this is what you want from a rebuild. You want this much talent. And they can package the talent whichever way they see fit to get the the guys that they really really need with the dudes that really pop out of it. It's it's varied. It's talented. It's great size. It's like you know they like you said they're kind of just lacking shooting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Pelicans. What really needs to be said about the Pelicans' young guys that hasn't already been said by the national media? But James, of the Pelicans' young players outside of Ingram and Zion. Because those guys are like the clear, like, yeah, like these have, both these guys could be all NBA players. I think Zion knows an all NBA caliber talent and Ingram has been trending that direction. Outside of those two, like which one of these Pelicans, what other Pelicans young players are you like, this is why they're making my list. I'm smoking that herb, man. Oh, yes. You know, yeah, herb's yeah, Herb Jones to me is the honestly like he might be the third most important player on this team. If you're talking about future focus, I, I, I guess for this season it's going to be McCollum, right? But it, I don't terms, even know, man. Yeah, I, think he's, I he mean might, Herb, he, he, he should be one of the best defenders in the league, right? So he is. He's not even a should. He just it, did. You see yes. him block? Did you see him block AD on a three pointer? He was seven feet away from him, and, or like, I don't know, seven. He was X amount of feet away from him, closes out and blocks a KD three. I've never seen that. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he's pretty special, man. And then uh, Trey Murphy the third, right? Yeah, yeah. I, be- I he, believe it's a third. Who knows? Yeah, he's really good too, man. He's just like a, I think he's just a very archetypical three and D wing from what I've seen. Uh, and that's you know, that's exciting. Perfect young player to have with this core. Personally, I'm not as sold on Jackson Hayes. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I feel like. In Zion's absence last year, they tried to develop him into this like ball handling, uh, playmaking wing type of guy. I really feel like from what I've seen, he's more of a rim runner, rim protector, which is fine. Great archetype. 
But like, is he good enough in that mold? I'm not, I'm not sure. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, they also have Dyson Daniels. Who? Oh yeah, I love Dyson Daniels. Exactly. I, just seen I haven't seen him play a game of NBA basketball yet, but it's true. It's true. But I mean, like, if you think about this young core that they have of like yeah. Zion, Ingram, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, Herbert, Herbert, Jackson Hayes. I mean, like, what? That's six dudes. Like, you have like six dudes that are young and either already super good or have this great potential this is the other thing they kind of all make sense around each other especially if you think zion can kind of be like a pseudo point forward where you don't need a super ball dominant guard to like generate offense consistently which i think is like you know the way the best way to maximize zion is you drag centers out to the perimeter have him abuse them or you put someone small on him and he just bullies them in the post he's kind of just like you know a pick your poison type of player and you're just going to give up points to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, Pelicans future is bright. And like the veterans they have too, like if you know, we're talking about young courts, but like the veterans they have right now, like Valance Tunis is a very good player. Um, CJ McCollum is really good. They have like, this team is, this team's good. <laughs> yeah, they are. I feel okay. like you have one more, one more team on your core, your young core. Yes, the Thunder. I'm just a big SGA yeah. fan. Um, I, I I'm not like Josh Giddy is a future All Star guy, but I like Josh Giddy. I thought their draft this year was really good because, like, I know we haven't seen Chet, but I, I think Chet will be at worst a really useful, good player in the NBA. Um, the the guard Jalen Williams had looked great in preseason. I actually kind of wanted the. The, the Rockets to select him. I just didn't think he would go like what he went 12th or something. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, he was mocked like in the 20s. So I thought they could maybe get him there. I was like, I think this guy could be really good. He's looked really good. Lou Dort is, you know, another good solid player and he plays a position and he's like, as like kind of like a three and D type guy that just like, you know, you, every team needs those guys, even if they're like Lou Dort where they're like imperfect as a shooter. Um, you know, he's gotten better, but like, Every team needs a guy that can defend wings. Um, and he is he is one of those guys. Um, I love Poku, even though he's not much of anything, but like just the idea of Poku. Um, they got your guy Usman Dang. Like I just they want kind of kind of like the Orlando thing where it's like they have so many interesting young guys that's just like I don't need all of them to pop. I don't even think all of them will pop. I just need two or three of them to. And they they have SGA. Like SGA is like a bona fide young star yeah. in my the, mind the only thing i'll say for the thunder and you could say this about the rockets too actually I, I think the two organizations are in a similar position this way is that there are a lot of question marks that's totally fine at, at, where they're at right that's totally fine but like i think there are questions about giddy insofar as like is this guy a star or is he a reserve you know i i couldn't really conclude in either direction right now uh jang that's my guy but he, he may or may not be an nba player Poku, yeah. that's your guy, but he may or may not be an NBA player, you know? Even Chet, there are questions about, like, you know, whether he can stay healthy, whether, whether you think those questions are fair or not. There are just a lot of questions around this team, you know? Yeah. But they're in a really good place, and they're a good choice and everything. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Let's move away from happy times. Let's talk about the three teams that we're going to think, that we think are going to be the biggest disappointments. 
Do you want to hear my first one? My number one? Or should I start with number three to build up? I'm going to start with number three to build up. My third biggest disappointment, Utah Jazz. I think they're going to be a huge disappointment this season. My number two. Be better than they should be? <laughs> yes. I think they, like, yeah, after that game one, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this this roster, like, is this, how much worse is this team than the Kings? Not, not worse enough. Um, <laughs> fuck, they might be better. Um, my number two biggest disappointment, I think, are going to be the Chicago Bulls. The the Lonzo Ball knee problems, super concerning. I really hope he's over able to overcome them, but it's like, I'm very concerned about just his career in general. Zach Levine, who I did not think they should have given that contract to because he had an ACL injury in his left knee and his left knee was bugging him, required arthroscopic surgery. Same fucking knee kept him out of the opener. So, you know, if both those guys aren't right because of knee problems, then they're in huge trouble. And then my number one biggest disappointment, the Atlanta fucking Hawks. I'm sorry. I just, and when I say disappointment, this is a team that made a trade giving up the assets that you're supposed to give up to become a real threat. And they're not. <laughs> like, plain and simple, it's just, you know, I, are they better? Yes. But, like, you have, a, like, a foundational superstar in Trey Young, and you wasted your 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 cannon fodder on a guy who, while really good, isn't going to make you a contender, like a real contender. This is a yeah. team that, like, they could maybe win a playoff series, but is anyone, like, is this team getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, unless, like, Giannis and Bede, Harden, Jason Tatum are, like, you know, all crash cars together and die <laughs> at All-Star Weekend, I, I don't see how they're doing that. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Yes, good, good, good choices. All around. Uh, here are mine. All right. All right. Uh, now, you know, it depends on what standards. Two of these are sort of weird choices in a certain sense because maybe you're not expecting much from them anyway, right? So okay. I'll start with those. The Sacramento Kings. I think that it's it's pretty clear that this organization it has an impetus to, to break their – playoff drought their nba record playoff drought this season yeah right like that, that that's the goal i don't think it's gonna happen very likely, <laughs> right I, I i don't like the pairing between fox and sabonis again just don't think that it's viable to pair two non-shooting playmakers like that right like it just like i i don't like the way they mesh like sabonis is to slow it down get it going in the half court guy fox is a transition guy uh <laughs> I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. And their depth kind of sucks. Like Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray, but now you're talking about a rookie. Other than that, like... like Keegan Murray, rookie of the year. That's some respect. He's on my list. He's on my list. But so, I mean, who's after that? Like Kevin Huerta is their fifth best player. Like, and neither of Fox or Sabonis are like, you know, tier one stars either. So to me, I just look at this and I'm like, yeah, this looks like a ninth or a tenth seed, and then I just have this feeling that they'll lose the play-in tournament because they're the Kings, you know? And- I agree. I agree that, like, this is a nine or ten seed. I, I, I do want to say that with Sabonis and Fox on the court in 360 minutes last season, they did have 116.9 offensive rating. But that did come with a 119.9 defensive rating. 
Yeah, hence the, why you don't want to the, build around players like Demonte Sabonis, if I if I may. Okay, anyway. let's 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 not let's not let's not get you need, you need let's not let's anything. let's not let's not rehash why Sabonis is your Sabonis and his disciple are your least favorite players in the league. Oh, all right. Then so then I got the Lakers as well. The Lakers, nobody's really expecting anything from them, but just strictly from the point of view of like uh salary cap sheet to win total ratio you know i i, I think they there's a pretty good chance they'll be the most disappointing team in the league again unless they make the trade which i mean they better i got at the end of the day if they don't make a trade i don't like i don't know like what what's the point like lebron's in they- year 20 like really it's like lebron's in year 20 like what oh we'll wait for him and like are you just like playing out the lebron contract to like when you start getting picks to like rebuild again, like you know, like what like what the fuck type of decision is that? Like just like realistically, like who like why would you think that way? It's hard, it's really hard to, to grasp. Because he's still good. He's still fucking good. It yeah. doesn't make sense. He should not still be this good. He is still this good. And they're like, eh, well, you know, he'll still Maybe be, be good, good next year. year. Yeah, yeah. He'll be fine next year. It's like, dude, like at a certain point, LeBron's just gonna retire because he wants to be a B minus B and B and B minus movies, right? Like maybe he wants to have a life where he's not an NBA player, you know, like at some point, like where he's an adult and not an NBA player. Uh, Here is my juiciest pick though. Yes. The Dallas Mavericks. I think the Dallas Mavericks are going to be a disappointment this year. I I, I do not think Jalen Brunson for Christian Wood is a good trade-off. They didn't do that much else. Otherwise I look at this roster, man. I see Luka Doncic and, and a mishmash. Like, it, I hate it, to be honest with you. Dimwitty, Bertans, like... McGee's Why are you going fine. after former Wizards? You're just going after former Wizards. That's true, <laughs> ironically, yeah. Dorian Finney-Smith is good. Actually, I, I got a bit ahead of myself there. That's the one player I kind of like. But, like, they don't really have a viable secondary ball handler, man. Dimwitty doesn't quite cut it. Furthermore, he's not a consistent shooter, so he doesn't provide that much when Luka has the ball, right? I think that... I know that Christian Wood had a good season opener with them. I think that they are going to see problems as the year goes on. That's only one game, right? Uh, Generally speaking, this guy brings problems. Maybe maybe this is the year that he grows. It's possible. But can he possibly compensate for the lack of Brunson? Because we've seen what happens when Wood tries to be an ISO scorer. It's not great, right? If he's going to be Luca's pick-and-roll partner... That's beautiful, but it doesn't make up for the loss of Brunson. You see what I mean? Look, I look. I, well, here's the thing with the Mavericks. I didn't include them because I saw their run to the Western Conference Finals, and I was like, that was just an aberration. They got lucky. They caught lightning in a bottle. They shouldn't have been there in the first place, right? Like they could have very easily been eliminated in the first round, right? Like they ran into two teams that kind of like inexplicably collapsed and lost to them. And they have Luka Doncic, so if like that happens, he can seal the deal in a way that like few players can't. So I just didn't have them on my list or even think about them because I was like, they're not going to be that good this year. Like, and as you said, they lost. Like, I I just didn't think that like the expectations for them were enough for them to like really be a disappointment because like I I think they're going to be out of the play-in, and if this team is out of the play-in, that's good. Is that a disappointment when you have Luka Doncic in his prime? Maybe. But like, I think that's kind of the 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 place they're living at. But you might need to put some respect on Christian Wood's name, 
He scored 25 points in 26 minutes in one game. But I know he can score. You know what? You know what his per 36 minutes points are? 37.5. We're talking about elite, elite level, Wilt Ch- peak Wilt Chamberlain level production out of Christian Wood thus far. Put some respect on him. I mean, look, like they should have beat. They fucked up. They dropped the dropped the ball in game one against the Suns. They look like they're going to blow them out. Um, I think this team will be fine. Like, what? It's like a 45, 46 win team. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would just consider that to be a disappointment coming off a conference finals trip. Like, I guess it's about, it's about you're right. You and I don't have high expectations for them in the first place. But I, I mean, maybe I'm talking about the fan base, you know, like, like, I it, think it, it's more disappointment is, 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 is pretty subjective because it, it, it yeah. you know, depends what your expectations are. Yeah. Well, I think it's more actually this. You have Luka Doncic. You shouldn't be like, eh, like our expectations, like, you know, six or six, four, five seeds, something like that. Like you, you should be thinking bigger and the roster should be good enough to get more than that. And like, I think that's a real way to look at this team as a disappointment. But like, to me, it's like, well, that's what they are. And I'm not expecting them to disappoint from that level. I just think that like, I think this organization is a big old fucking disappointment. If we're going to be completely honest, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like you have Luka Doncic and like, you can't manage shit outside yeah. of getting like, like, uh, like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, they, they fucked up. Like, you know, they, he's, he's going to ask for a trade and go probably to the Lakers in like a few years. <laughs> and we'll be like, Rob Blink is the best GM in the you know, God all the Rockets had to do is hold on to, to Steven Silas, and we're, pro- we're, we're probably the front runners, right? He's going to give true. the Mavericks a list. Here are the teams I want to go to. It's going to be Rockets five times over, baby. Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. Oh, my God. Oh my. Speaking of Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, let's talk about top three MVP candidates, because I don't know who are your top three MVP candidates, but Luka Doncic might be on my top three. So James, he's my number, he's my number one. <laughs> he's my number one too. Okay, well yeah. let's see let's see how this lines up. Let's go. My, we both have number one, Luca. Number two, who do you have? Jason Tatum. Ooh, I have Nikola Jokic. I don't. I. I. I think that he would have to average 40, 30, and thirty for them to give him back to back to back. Right. That's that's my only thinking. There is like, I just don't see it. He might. He'll. There's a good chance he'll deserve it, but I just don't think he'll get it. My my thought was I was like the Nuggets are gonna win like sixty plus games. Everyone else is gonna be like not even close to sixty, and he's gonna put up like he always does incredible numbers, and people are just gonna go, "Fuck!" Like he's the MVP again. That was my thinking. I like the Jason Tatum pick. Who do you have at three? Uh, number three, I've got Giannis. Same here. Okay, let's just quickly talk about. Donkic and Giannis, why we think they're in the top three, and then let's debate why Jason Tatum and Nikola Jokic don't deserve to be on this list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Donkic, like, I think it's pretty simple. He's going to score a fucking crazy number of points at pretty impressive, at basically incredibly impressive efficiency considering the workload. Get a ton of assists, get a ton of rebounds. He's going to be everything for the Mavericks. Everyone's going to know that if it wasn't for him, they would have 20 wins, maybe not even 20 wins. So, you know, they'll probably win 45 games. You go, okay, he's worth 25 wins, right? Like, I just think 
that seems like the most valuable player in the league to me. How do you feel about that take? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, like, I just think that this team is, in my opinion, outside of having Donkic really bad. So whatever they accomplish, it's going to look really good on him. And that's a good recipe for winning the MVP, you know? Plus, yeah. I think I, I just think the voters are probably thirsty for somebody else. And he's probably, he's probably the best player in the NBA that's never won the award, you know? Uh, so that's that's a pretty simple formula as well, right? Yeah. How many wins, like, like what's the wins threshold where, like, he's guaranteed if he has, like, a, you know, a Luka-level season where he's guaranteed to get the award? Because to me, I think if he gets... 55. See, I'm saying it's even lower. I think if they win 50 games in that Western Conference, he's guaranteed to get the MVP. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, either way, the, the same principle stands. It's like th- there's a certain threshold where this team is bad enough that he would just have to get the award because he would just be owed the credit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Giannis. I think Giannis is the best player in the league. I think the only reason he's not number one on this list is because he's won, won the award twice so that always hurts and i think you know i think the bucks are in that stage where they've won a championship they've won the most games in the league you know back-to-back seasons before the season before they won the title i think they're kind of in that you know we know how to do this we don't need to get the one seed we don't need to win as many regular season games as possible we can let Giannis rest Giannis knows that like you know Giannis doesn't play big minutes in the regular season, like on a per game basis. You know, he's usually around like, I think like 32, 30 minutes a night. So I just think that like, he's not going to play quite enough on a per game basis to like get those per game stats where you to equal some of these other guys. And I just don't think the bucks are going to like terrorize the league. Now, if like the bucks win 60 games, I'll, I think he probably could win the MVP. I just don't see them trying to win 60 games and I don't see Giannis putting in the effort for them to win 60 games just so he's burnt out in the playoffs. He knows he knows the deal. Uh, yeah, hard to argue with that. Uh, I agree with mostly all those points. Like, I do think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Uh, I think it's almost irrefutable at this point, especially, like, if you're talking about two-way impact, you know? like. But at the same time, the Bucs probably aren't too focused on the regular season. They'll probably restrict his minutes again, which really just makes sense, right? And he probably won't win MVP, you know, just for those reasons. So tell me why Tatum's a bad choice. I think Tatum's a bad choice because I made this list before the opening night and watching him just absolutely <laughs> torch Billy because I might have put him on this list um, if I if I'd made my, my top three before that. But, you know, let the fans know that, like, you know, these lists were compiled before games were played. So they're they're good. You know, no recency bias. Um. I don't think Tatum's a bad choice. I just don't think he's actually like that good. And I think the Celtics for him to win the award, the Celtics would have to win a fucking crazy number of games. And with Time Lord being out, with Udoka being fired essentially, but not being fired. So he can't go sign with another team that doesn't care that he is that questionable, makes questionable decisions in his personal in his personal life uh i just thought that like they wouldn't win enough games in the regular season for a player who's like i don't view as being a top five player in the nba he's kind of right on the outside of that i didn't think they would win enough games but like 
I'll give you this. Like if they play, if he plays like that and like they go out and they, you know, beat good teams, like they did opening night against Phillies, obviously one game. Yeah. No, like he, he could win MVP you know, or finish second in MVP voting. Um, But that was, that was kind of my thinking. It's just like for these not like top five players in the league to win MVP, their team has to be significantly better than the field usually. And I just don't see that happening. Cause so let me say this to that. Rightfully, I would have Yelkich on my list, right? Like, like I would prefer to have Yelkich on my list. I, I just don't think the voters are going to allow it because once you give a guy back to back to back, you're putting him in an air that like, like people are going to riot. They're going to storm the Capitol if there's a guy with a back to back to back MVP that's been to one conference finals in his whole career. You know, like it's it's just like whether you think that criteria is fair or not. I I have my doubts that many voters will be comfortable with that. I understand that. And I agree with that. It's one of the reasons why I didn't put him first. And I kind of put him second just because I think the, I thought the nuggets were going to win 60 plus games, but they're going to get the one seed. I thought they're going to have the most wins in the NBA. And I just went, look like Jokic, if he leads a team to like 64 wins, and produces at the level he's produced the last two seasons, that player has to win the MVP because guess what they have? They have every single argument. They have, they're have they the best statistical player, and their team has the best record. And I was like, I think that's going to happen. And I almost did it just as a troll because Nikola Jokic is the only back-to-back MVP in the history of the league where no one wanted to give him the MVP when he won it. Like, People yeah. did not want to give it to him. And I just would love the idea of a guy winning three straight MVPs where people didn't want him to win the MVP in any of those years. Like when he won the first one, people were like, well, like, you know, he just played every game and Embiid got hurt. Like, you know, he just like, I guess we have to give it to him. It's like, no, like on a per minute basis, he was better than Embiid and he played like a thousand more minutes. So like, yeah, he was the fucking MVP. Shut up. And then last season, he set the single season box plus minus record. Yeah, over, yeah, like, and people are like, "Well, I guess you know." We, I mean, he was. I know he was great, but they only won forty-eight games with, you know, their two, their next two best players out the entire season, essentially, and like a bunch of like, you know, bums on, on in this roster. And it's just like he and I just want it to be a situation where they have to do the exact same thing again, where it's like that's funny, but I just don't think I, it'll happen. If, I if, know. If, if it's what we want to happen, then my list is uh, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, you know? you Okay, okay, one. You don't want three Rockets finishing one, two, and three. You don't want three Rockets as your top three candidates because guess what, what, what ends up happening? The fourth guy on the list wins the MVP because those three split the first place votes. Yeah, but on, that's James. fine. That means we're going to win a championship. It's true. That's true. Um, that would be crazy. But no, I, but the reason I just think Jokic like is that good, and I just want to see a situation where someone wins three straight MVPs, and like there's just like this loud, kind of pretty substantial group of people that voting for him begrudgingly, because it means that like he actually deserved it. Like when the media wants a guy to win the MVP, like with Derrick Rose, we know he didn't deserve it. When Kobe won his MVP because the media wanted it because he felt like he got jobbed earlier. We know he didn't deserve it, but Jokic, you know, deserved his MVP. He's because no one wanted to give it to him. Well said. Let's let's yeah. get our rookie of the years in and then uh, get, get on out of here. 
Let's do it. Okay. One, two, three. Quickly give me your top three rookie of the year candidates. One, two, and three. I want it to be ordered because we're voting. Okay. Uh, Paulo Bancaro, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey. Nothing fancy here, you know? Nothing nothing out of the box. Okay. I don't have Jaden Ivey because... I mean, I think he'll put good numbers, but mainly it's just like... I, I think it's going to be one of those issues where, like, Cade Cunningham is a credit hog, even if he doesn't deserve it. So if, you know... People are going to be focusing on Cade Cunningham instead of Jaden Ivey, regardless if that's fair. Number one, I have Keegan Murray. Because I think the Kings, for all these you know good rookies, are going to be the best team in the regular season. Even if we both agree they're probably like a ten seed, still going to be better than like you know Detroit, yeah. or Orlando. Yeah. And they're going to probably make in a playoff push, and he's going to get bonus points as he probably should for playing an important role on a team that's actually trying to win and probably winning a fair amount. Right? Like you know, it's going to be really hard to win forty games this season, and they might do it. Um, I also think he's most NBA ready. He's looked great in um, summer league, great in preseason. I think he's going to have a good season with good efficiency. Number two, this is the curveball. Benedict Matherin. Oh, yeah. Benedict Matherin's a great choice, too. He's looked really good. I've been listening to some podcasts and people have been like talking him up. So I'm not out here saying like I'm scouting heavy. I'm, you know, I'm, I got my, my, my ears to the feet, my feet or the ground, as they say, and I'm, you know, stealing other people's good hard work and taking it as my own and then not doing that. But, you know, he's going to be on the Pacers. I think they're going to move Hal, um, not move Halburn. They have Halburn. They're going to move um, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. And, you know, he's just going to get up a bunch of shots and like, you know, he might average 20 points per game as a rookie. And if you do that, like you might win rookie of the year or finish second to a guy who also does that. And number three is Paolo Bancaro. Pretty easy. He's going to be piloting an offense. He's going to be given every chance to collect stats. I wish I'd said Matherin instead of Ivy. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that Matherin. Matherin goes under my radar. Like there's something I, I I think I see a bit of a limited ceiling as a prospect, but like he's a good player and he's going to be a good player and he's he's in a perfect opportunity this year to to contest for the award. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's why I don't like Rookie of the Year so much because so much of it is about opportunity. Yep. You know, it's like, realistically, if you're winning Rookie of the Year, it means your team sucks. And it also, it, it, it's dependent on, like, I don't have Jabari Smith Jr. on my list, even though I think he's going to be a really good player and everything, because the Rockets developmentally have a tendency to ease their guys in, you know, they, they don't really believe in baptism by fire. I don't think. And so basically I think Barry's going to be in the corner a lot of the season, you know, or like shooting off a of dribble handoffs and stuff. Like he's not, yeah. he's not going to get the same opportunity to shine, even though he's on a bad team. So there are a lot of factors that go in, you know? So Barry, I think has a, I didn't put him on this list, but I, I actually wrote about how he could win rookie of the year. And I think he has a decent chance or a better chance than people think. So if you're a gambler and you go look at like the rookie of the year odds and Jabari Smith's odds aren't that good, maybe maybe put a you know pretty low level bet on that. Because what Herb Jones showed us last year is that if a rookie really pops on defense, people are smart enough now in the national media to 
give a shit about that. Like it used to be that rookie of the year was like the six man of the year award where it was like, what rookie led the, the league in points per game? Rookie of the year. Um, kind of like how six man of the year award is really stupid because it's just like, well, who scored the most points off the bench? Um, six man of the year. But I think people will be like, if, and I think we both agree that like he will be good on defense and he will be noticeably good on defense. And if that's the case, then I think you'll get bonus points for that. So all he then needs to do is like, you know, what be like at 15 points on like pretty good efficiency. And suddenly like, you know, people are going to go, okay, like, yeah, like he's not like dominating the ball, but like this guy's like a difference maker on defense. Uh, Bancaro is a negative. Keegan Murray probably will be like at best, you know, neutral Benedict Mather. And I'm, I think we both can agree probably will be a pretty significant negative because he's just a young guard and they usually aren't very good on defense. So if he does that and like the, his key is going to be like, how's the defense and how's the efficiency? Cause if the efficiency is super good, people are just going to go, okay. Yeah. Like he's not like, he's not taking a fuckload of shots, but he's fucking hitting them and he's playing great defense. So I think Jabari Smith Jr. actually has a better chance than people are giving him credit because I just think voters are better about rookie of the year than they used to be. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's a great argument. You're right. Yeah. Um, I think that with the Rockets, it would also probably boil down to, you know, like, do, do they win a few more games than they won last year? Are they a little more respectable? Like that, that could go a long way towards making his case. Yeah. Right. It, yeah, yeah. Cause especially if they like, especially if like they look better and they look more competitive and they look more engaged and like, if he kind of gets that bullshit narrative of like, Oh, he's, he's helping change the culture in Houston because God knows like Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. They can't change the culture in Houston. They're part of the problem, but like, you know, like, which is, yeah, uh, which is complete bullshit and like makes no sense. Like the problem well, is Jalen, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, you know, if he comes in and they're like, Oh, like, you know, man, Kevin Porter jr. Has been not his best behavior. You know, Jabari Smith jr. Is really rubbing off on him. It's like, okay. They calm down, but like he might, he might get some bonus points. That narrative like, is compelling, though. Yeah, where it's like, oh, you know, like you know, the defense, the team first, you know, putting you know the other guys, you know, before him, you know, taking shots he's given. Like I'm just saying that, like you know, you know, this is a team that's been at least in the Rockets' case, like they kind of lacked structure, and if he comes in, kind of feels like the guy who like exudes structure. I could see him getting some a good push. Before we get off this, can I shit talk Paulo Bancaro for like 30 seconds? Go. Yeah, go. Do it. So Paulo Bancaro had a great opening game. People were like, he's the first. He's like the third ever number one overall pick to score 25 points at five rebounds at five assists in their first game. James, I love those stats because essentially what someone is saying is, this is the first time, this is the third time on a full moon in December where there's snow on the ground and the and the the town, the town clock um wasn't working that this thing happened. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like town clock. Yeah, no, you're like, okay, so like when all these like weird things happen, like the boogeyman comes out in this, you know, kind of bad 18th century horror story that I, I just came up with. But anyways, right? Like I hate those things. Paul Bancaro had a really good statistical game. People are freaking out over it. Someone showed a video of all of his made baskets. I believe he went 11 for 18 from the field. That's great. You look at the 11 shots that went in, there was like two or 
three, maybe four, where you're like, that was a really impressive self-created bucket. But I think there was like, I counted six either transition or wide open dunk slash layups that he got. And getting those are great. But like the appeal of Paolo Bancaro wasn't that, yeah, man, this guy's going to like, you know, feast on like, you know, wide open dunks. It was that like he was going to be able to create shots. You remove those six shots because I'm a crazy person and counted that. Suddenly, like, you know, the stat line doesn't look so good. The, the thing that people actually should be hyping up is that he got to the line seven times and he went seven of seven. Um, so what I'm just trying to say, Paul Bancaro, is I think he's going to put up good. Like, I don't think he's going to that efficiency we saw from the first night against like admittedly the fucking Detroit Pistons who like, let's be real here. Like they're not very good. That line that he put up good for him, but I wouldn't expect him to continue to have what we think of as good efficiency because I mean, 11 for 18, like that's good efficiency, but that's not crazy good. And when you consider he got like, you know, four free, free buckets, you know, where there's like basically an uncontested layup, you go, okay, like, you know, when things weren't so easy, the efficiency wasn't so great. So I just, I just needed to say that I was, I've been, I'm still right about Paulo Bancaro. I'm not, I'm not wrong. Time will tell. Time will tell. Let's send it home. Let's send it home, man. Okay. Okay. So we're going to meet up in a few days and talk about the Rockets so we can talk about more than just one game. And we'll get into like everything that's going on there. We'll see if the Bruno Fernando experience at center continues. James is like most, I'm not going to say favorite development, but like definitely. How should you how should you describe it? Do you feel vindicated about being worshiping at the altar of rim protection? Yeah, yeah. From the very like, yeah, dude. Literally two minutes two minutes into the game, the kid blocks two shots in one possession. I'm just like, <laughs> like those, those were his only two blocks. But yeah, it's because he's. I know, but he was in he position all night though. He scared him out of the paint. I mean, when I play pickup, that's like my goal. My goal is to try to block my guy on the first time they take a shot yeah. on me because then they don't shoot again they're like i don't want none of that yeah and that's that's bruno fernando baby god you guys i i would i'll try to, if you the listeners if you could have seen the way james's body jolted forward his eyes lit up the endorphin rush when i was like tell me about bruno fernando how do you feel <laughs> it was like you know it was incre- it's, it was it was crazy. It was like watching someone like take drugs and they just kicked in right at that moment. It was Ohio like, oh. Fernando, man. Yeah, what did I yeah. say? All right. So this is episode 40 of Above the Break. The NBA is back, baby. All right. James, you have anything to plug before we get out of here? No plugs. All right. I do not. All right. Well, if you're a Rockets fan, go check out Space City Scoop. We need more people to check us out. I think I do some pretty good work, um, but I do not stoop to the levels of other people that work with Fanside and have like article titles like, like I don't know, like this is some of these things that I see suggested. It's like, oh, like you know, blah 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 returns the slander, or like you know. Yeah, you know, Lakers fans found out how good this thing is. It's like, okay, like, look, like, I'm not out here like getting trying to make articles about social media debates. If you want like real basketball writing and content, I do that. 
Now, apparently that does not get the views, but change that. You can change that. Be the change. Um, okay, so we'll be back on Sunday. We're going to record Sunday, talk about the Rockets, a Rocket-specific podcast, and that will be fun. Until then, peace. Peace.